as I have mentioned here before, we so many times we have uh, stood at the desk pulpit to preach and uh, the sermon is basically a reaffirmation of uh, what the Sabbath school lesson was. It is not the same, exactly the same uh, uh, chapters and, and books and so on, but it is like uh, an endorsement of what the lesson was all about. Uh, very interesting. It seems, it seems though, I am sure uh, God is working, is working with us and he knows what we need most now. The, the message, the title of our message, the message today that God has for us is God is the strength of his people. When we pray, we look for his strength, his answer, his presence in our lives, his, um, uh, his salvation, his deliverance. Um, every story recorded in the Bible was recorded with one purpose, to be a blessing to God's people, because God knew his people would be living in some very dreadful days, difficult days towards the end, and that they could get discouraged and lose hope. And God then made sure that uh, men and women would be inspired by him to write down the records of how he guided his people in the past and how he honored their faith and how willing he is to honor our faith now. This story of the Amalekites tempting the Israelites is found in, well, tempting the Israelites, and then there is a battle, a battle that happens in the days of uh, Moses. And the Bible in Exodus chapter 17, verses 6 to 8, says the following. Now Amalek came and found and, and fought with the Israelites in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. The rod of God. Okay, did God have a rod? We know Moses had a, a rod. Um, Aaron had a rod, Abraham had a rod, Jacob had a rod. Uh, so many of them had rods, but God did God. And also, did God need a rod? All right, um, let us just keep that in mind for now. Let's go on with the reading. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he <coughs> let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. 
And Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. Did I skip a portion? No. Let me see. Oh, no. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book, in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. God wills, not the Israelites. So at that time, the Israelites had not destroyed the Amalekites. And God said, I will blot the remembrance of them out of uh, um, uh, the, the remembrance of the Amalek from under heaven. He will destroy him. God himself, I will. The principle of uh, the character of Amalek had become an evil already that was uh, impregnated in the whole world because of uh, sin and how this one man, Amalek, absorbed it and took it to such a level and now he is used as the symbol of this satanic character. And God is saying, I will exterminate that character. I will eliminate it. Uh, verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. Well, he said, Because the Lord has sworn, The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This generation to generation here, is the same as forever, okay? It's forever, as long as generations exist. We are a generation, right? So even to our days. So, um, and, and it ends this way. Um, let me see here. Okay, now let me go back. So, let us look at this text really quick here. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, as we told the children's story. Amalek was the father of the Amalekites. Amalek, the Amalekites were the most powerful race at that time, at, together, also as being the most evil nation. They were known as the chief of the pagans. If you think that other, the, 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 the people living in Canaan and uh, other nations and the Egyptians with all the evil and all the paganism that they practiced, the Amalekites were the chief of all pagans. These were like a very, very dreadful people. The Amalekites always made war against God's people. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 18, it says that when the Israelites were traveling from uh, Egypt, you know the story of uh, the Amalekites coming from behind and killing the weak ones, the feeble ones, taking advantage of them. In Judge, the book of Judge, uh, Judges chapter 3 verse 13 and Judges uh, Judges 3 13 and Judges 6 verse 3 says that uh, the Amalekites united with other nations like the Moabites and the Ammonites to attack Israel and they did it over and over again they also joined with other nations other that were uh, common enemies of uh, Israel and they they, they, they 
plotted together with them to destroy Israel. So, to destroy the Israel, Israelites. So, the number one uh, goal of the Amalekites were to destroy the Israelites. They tried plotting with other nations, with the Moabites, with the Ammonites, with the. Uh, you see over and over again them joining other nations to go and attack the Israelites. So it is the evil in this world. They join other evils. They 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 use all the opportunities possible to destroy God's people. In Exodus chapter, well, Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, um, the passage that we read now at towards the end, verse 9, says that Moses said to, jo to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Abraham. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. The rod of God. When God, when Moses talked to Joshua there, that is the first mention of the name of Joshua in the Bible. Okay? Now let us look at uh, Joshua you see it later that he was one among those uh, that went to spy out the land and, and he came back and he was faithful and uh, in Numbers chapter 13 verse 8 it says the following that um, the true name of Joshua was Hosea Hosea okay and uh, the name Hosea means he saves like, like when you have the name Hosea, it means that you save, like he, that person saves, he saves. When Moses, in, um, In, in, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, it says that Moses changed the name of Hosea to Joshua. The meaning of the name Hosea means he saves, and the name in the meaning of the name Joshua is Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves. And from then on, Hosea's name was Joshua, and Joshua is always mentioned as Joshua from then on. Moses is the one who gave him that name. And when Moses talks to Joshua and says, reminds him that the Lord will say, you go to some men, and remember, the Lord will say, and I will raise the Lord's rod, and we will fight that battle, because God will be fighting the battle for us. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, rod, the word rod there is a staff, is, is first mentioned in Exodus. Okay, chapter 4, verse 2. And when God appears to Moses in the burning bush, God asks what Moses had in his hand. And Moses answers what? A, a rod. And that was Moses' rod. Right? Because it was in his hand, it was his rod. He says, throw it down. He threw it down, and it became a 
serpent. This is a serpent. Pick it by the, the tail. He picked it, he took it. From that moment on, when a miracle happened, in front of Moses, that he threw his rod, when he picked the rod back, the name of that rod was called the, the Lord's rod, God's rod, from then on. And then you don't hear Moses about Moses' rod anymore. When God performs a miracle in your life, you become, you belong to him. Amen. It's his. Amen. And Moses now, later when he sees Joshua, he names Hosea. When he sees Hosea, he saves. He reminds him, no, Yahweh will save. Take some men and go to the battle, and I will take this rod. And Moses knew it was his rod at first, but now he says, God's rod. Because of all that miracle that happened. The rod is... The rod, you see the rod then being mentioned there, that the rod of God talks the Red Sea, the rod of God strike the rock, the rod of God is now being lifted up while Joshua and his soldiers are fight, fight, fighting the Amalekites. So, here's the lesson. The rod is a sign that God is the leader of his people. So he lifted the rod up by reminding it, by that reminding everyone that God is the leader of his people. When you go to Psalm chapter 23, what does it say? Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. So he refers to that rod as God's rod. From generation to generation. Let's look at that text now. From generation to generation. That means, um, let, let's look at this text. I said that it means forever, right? Let's see some Bible text. From Lamentations 5.19, from generation to generation, you, O Lord, remain forever. The Bible has this dual, what is called the dual expressions which is you say something once and you say it differently a second time, just to sink in for you to remember. And, and here's what he is saying. From generation to generation, O Lord, uh, you, Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Another text, for example, Daniel 4, 3. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. It's the same meaning as forever. Now, the Lord is my banner. That expression we saw in the text, the Lord is my banner. Psalm chapter 20, verse 5. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. In the text, 20 verse 5 on the corner. When the text says that uh, the nation of Israel had set up a banner, let me show you where it was exactly. Um, 
That is the rod, the banner, let's find the banner here quickly. Yeah, right there. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And the Lord is my banner. Keep that in mind for, for now. And let's go back to that text of uh, Psalm 20, verse 5. I will rejoice in his salvation, and in the name of God, I will set up, we will set up our banners. Our banners. The Lord is my banner. And we have our banners. God gives us uh, these banners that come from Him. Psalm 6, verse 4. You have given a banner to those who fear you. We have banners because the Lord being our banner, He gives us those banners. Banners are way of identifying us who we belong to. You have uh, given a banner to those who fear you. We fear God, right? He has given us a banner. That he may be displayed because of the truth. So, the banner is displayed to show the truth. To show the truth. And in Isaiah 11.10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, talking about the birth of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Who shall stand as what? A banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek, shall, shall seek him, and uh, his resting place shall be glorious. The banner, the rod of God, being uh, a representation of his leadership, of who he is. His banner being a sign by us with him, the pro proclamation of the truth, and so on. Let's see what Illinois says here. The Bible Training School, March 1909, paragraph 3. We must have increased faith and move forward, carrying this banner of truth, which is what? The commandments, the commandments of God. And what? And the, faith the faith of Jesus. Here, Revelation 14, 12, here they who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Chapter 19 it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy of Jesus. Letter 18 from Adam White, February 6th. 1900, paragraph 4. There is a people who stand under the blood-stained banner of Prince Emmanuel, who, united with Christ, hold aloft the banner on which is inscribed what? The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. God, in his leadership, saved his people with his rod, his rod as a, a, a symbol of his leadership. Um, he gives them a sign, which is a banner, to show his truth. And his truth is his commandments and the faith of Jesus. And here are God's people, 
Gospel Workers 92. This instance, talking about uh, the war of Moses and uh, Aaron and Ur up on the mountain and Joshua fighting the battle, she refers to that instance as this. This instance was to be a lesson to what? All of Israel to the what? Has the time closed already? No. So she's talking about who? Us. The Israel of God. By the way, if you pay attention to this, you don't find in the Bible that, oh, you are the spiritual. You, you find a couple of mentions that seems to indicate that, that the spiritual Israel of God. No. It refers to us as the Israel of God. Remember that the Israelites, remember this one thing. We may think, oh, Israelites are the ones, sons of Jacob and so on. But remember that the Israelites, they had some that were from wives that were Hebrew and wives that were not Hebrew, right? Yes. Gentiles, the yeah. servants there. Yeah. <coughs> number one. And number two is, also you became Israelites by conversion. Many, many came from Egypt and that were converted. Yes. And the Bible talks about it, that they were converted. Even though it talks about a, a uh, mixed multitude that caused trouble, but that was also Israelites causing trouble. Even the, the tribe of uh, the... Korah, right? So, God's people and, and uh, um, Paul in the book of Hebrews, the whole book, and also uh, Galatians, talks about us being sons and daughters of Abraham through Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of Abraham through Christ Jesus. So, uh, by adoption, we are. And so, we are legitimate children. We are legitimate Israelites. So that story of the, the war of uh, Moses, Aaron, and Ur up on the mountain, uplifting and indicating that God is our leader, and Hosea, who is now being reminded that it is Joshua, that Yahweh is the one who saves, is fighting the battle. That whole inspiration and the record of those uh, writings is a lesson to all Israel to the close of time, that God is the strength of his people. When Israel triumphed, Moses was reaching his hands toward heaven and interceding on their behalf. Uh, so when all the Israel of God prevailed, it is because, okay, you see, she's saying here, she's saying in the past or in the present? So when all Israel of God prevailed, even now, not prevailed, is now. She's talking about us. Yeah. As she introduced the text, the Israel of God to the close of time, she's talking to the Israelites today. When the Israel of God prevailed, it is because the mighty one undertakes their case Amen. and fights their battle for them. Amen. Moses did not ask for believed that God would overcome their foes with Israel, while Israel remaining what? Inactive. So we just go there, don't bother, you know, you don't need to pray, God knows, he'll take care of it. No. Moses went there and he was doing what? The most beautiful, most beautiful prayer ever mentioned in the Bible is that prayer right there. God doesn't say that they mention any word. They just lift up, lifted up the recognition that God is our leader. He is his rod. He took it from me. All my 
my leadership of my people, my battles. I use that rod to kill snake, to 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 comfort and 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 guide the, the little sh uh, sheep as I was a pastor. Uh, shepherd there in the desert when he came to confront me as I was a great leader he took it from my hand and now he is the leader it is now God's rod the rod of God and you Joshua also stop that foolishness with that name Jose your name from now on is Yeshua Yeshua Joshua Moses did not ask or believe that God would overcome their foes while Israel remained inactive and his prayer was so powerful that even though he did not mention a word he was showing everyone that God is leading and not only here but he is leading there as well Hosea's name is changed that is what is going on and that is what we need to keep in mind that God is fighting in, from every single angle in our lives. Amen. And we should trust him with uh, a genuine faith. And Ellen White finishes this way, and I finish with her words. That prayer which comes forth from an earnest, believing heart is the effectual, fervent prayer that abated much. Did Moses have uh, an uh, earnest believing heart? Yes. yes, he did. So much so that the Bible does not say that he said words. He just stayed there. And Aaron and Ur was there with him. While Joshua was there. And he won. they won the battle. As the Bible says, and we saw it earlier today, God will be fighting the Amalekites from generation to generation, to the close of time, in our lives. When we look at that picture, so what is our portion to act? The portion that Moses, Aaron, Ur, and Joshua acted. Things need to be changed. The rod, the leadership, can be, has to be taken from your hand. And given to God. Your name, no, no, no. Hosea, you will do it. <clears throat> Yahweh will do it. That's the lesson we are supposed to look at that story and remember. Always remember. Whenever we read it, let us remember that. And then the victory will be for sure. As we read earlier, that God will eliminate, will uh, eliminate the, let's see if we find that text really quick. I'm using this new system here that uh, from generation to generation, okay, not this one. Um, so nothing, okay. Okay, I think we it's, it's we, we went through it. Oh, oh, I read it from here. That God will exterminate. He will blot out the remembrance of the Amalekites from the earth. And it will be in our days. And if it will happen in our lives, we will have to be like Moses, Aaron, Ur, and Joshua. 
Amen. 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 May the Lord continue to bless each and every one of you.